Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons, here with Jordan McNamara, and we share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. We have big thoughts for the week, and it is time for the big game as we come up for championships. Who is going to win that? But Jordan, thought-provoking topic of the week here. Go. All right, Chad, I want your reaction to the following exchange. Quote, what have you seen from this team that you like? Question. Answer, quote, that's easy, Drake London, period, Bijan Robinson, period, end sentence. That's a quote from Raheem Morris's uh, first press conference as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. What is your reaction to that exchange? Notable omission? A big notable admission. The highest category of the bunch, notable addition. A big notable omission. Um, It's Pitts one of the highest. Like, my biggest thought about Pitts is there's this faction that is like, dude, the guy was playing on one leg. Give him a break. Give him a complete redshirt season. And the other one, I'm like, do you guys remember the expectations on this guy? And the fact that there were points that he was tight end one, don't talk to me, bro, you know, in startup drafts and trading and generational talentism, he's getting boat raced by all these different guys, you know, at this point. And it's like the pressure on Kyle Pitts with some of these investment points people have and with what they're expecting, it feels like a super critical 2024 season to not just be good, not just be at least as good, if not better than what he was, but he's got to elevate his game from that, from everything we've ever seen from him. And he's also going up against Drake London, uh, a, a dead spot at the quarterback position at present, and potentially they're adding a wide receiver so it, it, of note to this offseason. And it's like Kyle Pitts, man. Like the, the the early tight end, we've seen so many day two guys, you know, and you don't have to be, you know, a, a, an elite pick. But man, pressure on Kyle Pitts, especially in those premium formats, to come up with his best goods ever. Yep. And I I have thought, I've suggested this at another point. I can't remember if it was on a premium show. It was definitely with you. Part of me wonders, right? And I watched that press conference basically from beginning to end. I bored my poor daughter to sleep listening to it on the ride home from uh, lacrosse practice tonight. Um, So much of that conversation was about quarterback and rightfully so they got to figure that out. They pick eight. And part of me wonders if Kyle Pitts isn't the DJ Moore in a trade up for them, but if he isn't that that DJ Moore, um, that DJ Moore piece. Now the problem with that is if you start looking at the board, who is interested in that? Right? If you go up to Chicago, right, they've got Patriots, Cole Komet, um, Washington. I'm not sure there would be in the the market to sort of make that type of move down. The yeah. Patriots would be the the next one, right, at three. And they have a hole at tight end too. They certainly well, have a hole at tight hole end. At, they have a hole at playmaker. We should Absolutely. Just say that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I, you know, one of the things that I've wondered like all off season is is there a is there a non is there a route for them 
again, you might not love quarterback three in this class, right? Then they might sit there with their top two guys off the board. And while we think that they will need to, they didn't like Lamar. Would they like Jane Daniels? Right. You know, just like of that, of that, like we like the alluring dripping rushing upside. Right. Right. And, and, by the way, I think they had two shots in that draft to actually take Lamar. If memory serves, I think they picked twice in that in that first round yeah. and passed on it both times. Again, it's a new it's a new regime, so we'll see how much that that um, you know that that carries over. But I do wonder if if Kyle Pitts isn't the asset, you know, with with a with a pick right with a pick this year, a pick next year, and Kyle Pitts. Does that get you to three, similar to the way that that uh, Carolina made that DJ Moore? trade last year right that's the thing for me that that i wonder is that out there the other thing like is it you know what do they know that we don't and again raheem morris hasn't coached the team yet but i'm sure that topic of conversation came up and again you think of it from a defensive coordinator's perspective this is something that you've said um, again, maybe we're just drawing too much in on this and it was a slip of the tongue or whatever. But but one of the things that you've said is that he's miscast as this outside X type wide receiver that they use him as. And from a if you're listening to a defensive minded coach, right, how would I go about stopping that? If the answer is I'm not super concerned about it, like that has yeah. to be a, a concerning viewpoint. I think a cornerback, I think a cornerback can easily cover him. Right. He's like, this is easy. Like, I think a lot, there's a lot of corners. There's one to two on every single team that can go out there and just, oh, I'll cover Kyle Pitts today. Eh, whatever. If you're not going to trust throw him, like if he's got a trust throw guy of just like, he's going to bully ball someone. And we've seen, you got to have the right quarterback that wants to stick it in there and be like, oh, he's basically just posting up, boxing out. Like if Mike Evans had a, uh, you know, I mean, he gets open with their outs, but what I'm saying is like, he's really good with those. Eh, I guess, you know, he might be open. Like, let's just throw it down there. Um, it pits. I don't think he's had that quarterback. And if he doesn't get a quarterback like that, I mean, you gotta start winning on routes. I just, like I said, I mean, if Mark Andrews, as an example, if you literally line him up as your ex, I don't think he's going to be as effective as being in the slot and lining up all over the place. You kind of lose some of that tactical chess piece. So with Pitts, I just, I've yet to see it. I've yet to see the movement. He's got to get healthy. Bubble wrap this kid till August 25th. Got to be healthy for week one. Got to be a hundred percent. And they've got to have a plan. And like you said, Flip of the tongue or not, we will see. But critical year, and and frankly, the trade piece aspect of it, Kyle Pitts is already making a decent chunk of change as mm-hmm. being an elite pick at a position where it's not wide receiver in terms of what the top players make, and you have a situation where he's coming up on his fourth season, so escalating there, fifth year option, right around the right around the corner, and then again, no more discount, no super you, so. Yeah, like you're saying, I mean, does he move the needle enough to move into the top three pits alone? Probably no. I mean, you probably add something else too. Right. I would imagine that there's something more yeah. to it. And right. and I would view, you know, just just you know, use that paradigm last year as a as a trade this year. Um I, I would view him lesser than DJ Moore in that trade. Right. right. So again, and you might even argue that quarterback three Position, could be comparable done, to Bryce Young last year. Yeah. You know, uh last year. So, you know, I'm just sort of spitballing it, but I think that that's a potential thing there that, that I wonder, like, it's not the most likely outcome, but, but a part of me in the back of my mind has that just filed away 
But then you look, if it's not New England, it probably doesn't happen, right? Four is Arizona. That doesn't make a ton of sense for them. Five's the Chargers. And at that point, quarterback's probably gone. But I look at, like, I've I've speculated this one for a while. I've just kind of thought about this as an exercise. If New England didn't love quarterback three and wanted to trade a, a day two pick for Justin Fields and then traded down from three to someone that wanted to come up at quarterback, let's assume that this Atlanta thing were to play out. You could put around him Kyle Pitts. You could draft a wide receiver at eight. And all of a sudden, like, you've really right. remade an right. offense around him. Like, that's that's actually pretty compelling to me in terms of, like, yeah. what what they the ail from right and yeah. so i just i look at that and i'm i'm interested in in what that could be um if the and, bears and... yeah if the bears go to three and then they so they get they get the return there but then they go three to eight no i'm talking i'm first. talking new england going down i'm talking new england well, no going but, down I'm, but just, i'm saying but, yeah. but the bears could double dip and do a double move as well i yeah. mean they could be one that hey we don't want to move far you stay in the quarterback zone and then you trade down again and what if they because they might be interested in the well we got Komet, we've got dj moore let's add another one in kyle pitts you know and from three to eight and then maybe they can pick up you know that plus another first yeah, I mean, they could. This is like the dynasty thing, right? Like, like the Bears are in position to keep doing this like dynasty thing, where you like you always have multiple firsts. You know, you keep in you maybe you're keeping one, you're cashing out of one. You know, if you get a high one, maybe you turn that into three. Like you just keep churning this out. But I will say, in the dynasty terms, what do you typically do though? They turned it into one hundred one, <laughs> and now you keep, you know, and now you hit the lotto, and now you keep that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's funny because you came strategy. at it from a different perspective than I would have came at it from. I, I I went into this presuming that they would pick a quarterback at one and be trading fields and that it could right. be New England that would land fields in a trade and then New England could trade down. You think that they could actually ah. be in the business of trading down again. And again, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion either, but I, I just that this quote has me again on the other side of this as well. Like that's pretty high praise for Drake London to be like you know, Drake London period. And then it was like laughter and it was like, yeah, like that's, that's, that's certainly a good thing. Like we, and it's funny. I certainly think of Drake London in that sense. Right. And um, yeah, it's nice to see that confirmation from a, a head coach. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about with Atlanta, since we're kind of spinning this about situations and, and changing futures, because uh, obviously with Drake London, I mean, what we're seeing, it's almost a DJ Moore type. It's kind of laughable of what, what he's done on a per route basis, garnering targets. And yet we haven't really see it come together fantasy wise. And it really is situation, part of its volume, part of its quarterback quality. Um, but like you said, if they're out of it at eight, I think it's going to be really interesting to see these next three quarterbacks where I don't think all three go in the first round. Um, so I'm always looking at the, the second group. You know, if you're not in the top three, I mean, you could be left out uh, and you may not think highly enough of the other. This could be a Will Levis type situation, right, where they don't end up going for the rest of the first round or they fall farther than you think because they're just, you know, they don't have a high enough grade on them. And other teams are going, oh, I'm just going to go. I'll go for another position. So I really want to watch closely these teams beyond Washington, let's say, whether that's maybe it's a Tennessee, especially the Giants, uh, it could be the Vikings or the Falcons or the Raiders. I want to look at these teams in round two and say, do they get a look at one of those guys that maybe we're discussing as possible top 15 or 20 picks? And then the other aspect is, you know, do they just like somebody, you know, do, does somebody on day two get Spencer Rattler? And it's one of these open landing spots where you say, hey, they might not be the week one starter, but they could get this job without an injury, you know, in a, in a good situation that 
they end up earning more reps. You know, maybe it's close. Maybe they start with a veteran. But by October, we're already turning the page to a day two rookie. And I think that could be the case with one of the notable six, Spencer Rattler, who could be rising. Um, so that affects the Falcons, like you said. If they're on the outside in round one, maybe they're on the inside of that secondary line of the top six or seven quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a sense, like if I said three and a half is the top as the first round quarterbacks, how do you feel about that line? I have a hard time thinking we don't get at least a fourth. I, okay. My problem is I don't think we get six, you know, if, we, so, if I put it at four and a half, where do you feel then? Yeah. See, that's the, to me, that's the smart Vegas line, like okay. the four and a half, because I have a hard time thinking, you know, we go through, we'll see about Kirk cousins, but, but going through the, but the gauntlet of the Vikings, Broncos Raiders there in the early teens, you've still got these teams like the Rams and the Seahawks that might go and get a developmental guy. The Steelers are there. But once you get beyond that, that's when the, I don't know if anyone trades up, you know, once they mm-hmm. pass the Steelers, then I think you might be shut down and done for the day, done for the night. And so that's where, again, you got to get at least like you're saying, yeah, I got to get two of those. And that means two of the three between uh, Penix, McCarthy uh, and, and Bo Nix. And, and you have to get two of those in there. I'm confident on one. I'm not confident on two. Okay. Yeah. I think that I, four and a half will be I just, I just think. Because these teams, again, if they have like a late first grade, do you really think they're going to take quarterback in the early teens? And I don't think that's a given for some of these teams. The Vikings might be out of it if Cousins is back. So I just don't think it's a given. And then, uh, you know, these teams might be like, eh, well, if they're there late in the first, maybe we'll trade up if we kind of find a good deal from round two or something like that. Who knows? So I yeah. Oh, they just play chicken. Again, we saw that with, with, with these other quarterbacks that slipped to day two. So it's usually you're not getting five, six teams that need quarterback, pay up quarterback and have the, the right grade to get them all in round one, unfortunately. Yes. You, you got to get the perfect cocktail and it's got to be the right player. I'm sure there's going to be teams that have a day two grade on Michael Penix. It just is a matter of which ones. Yes. So you got to be super, super careful there. Um, all right. I wanted to do a little segment on on startup drafts here, Jordan, because we're going to have people that that have some uh, some plan, some plans to do uh, their draft coming up here. Pretty much when the Super Bowl ticks over, we see a lot of these platforms switch over. You might see some startup drafts out there. Uh, but this also applies to kind of team building and trading dynamics as well. And wanted to ask because we're in a little new environment. You know, Patrick Mahomes today, Patrick Mahomes tomorrow and forever. But it's an interesting dynamic because. Josh Allen's going to go one-on-one in a lot of startup drafts. So my question is, you draw one-on-one and you draw one-on-two, are you sticking and picking at both spots? There's no trading involved. Uh, if you're at one-on-one, are you taking Allen uh, because that's the stock pick? We've seen a little bit better fantasy upside. Are you taking Mahomes because you're more confident? Would you try to trade a two? How are you kind of handling this scenario? And it could be where you're comfortable trading up to as well from a different spot. Um, I'd, I'd, Probably take Allen first, Mahomes second. I wouldn't have an argument taking Mahomes first, Allen second. I don't think either of those guys has fallen out of the top two quarterbacks. And I think that they, it's funny, I said, I don't know, it's probably three years ago now that you should just write down Patrick Mahomes at quarterback one in pen, and you're more likely to be right oh, than yeah. make a mistake. Um, yeah. It's somewhere down the line. Um, yeah, so I like, I'm fine taking Mahomes at one, right? I'm fine taking out. They're they're co ones, right? I mean, they're, you have two unicorn unicorn apex predators, like that's where they are. Um, I think it's interesting because I would take Lamar three at quarterback, okay. and then I 
I don't think he's in the same tier, but I I almost think he fits in a tier of his own at three. And okay. then I would go from there and I would say I have a lot of questions. Um, and, and I think that that next group of guys is defined by the questions that they all have. Right. Stroud, it's one season. Herbert, um, you know, it hasn't fully come together. Right. And there's some profile questions there. Hertz is a passer. Burrow ceiling questions, Anthony Richardson, we haven't really seen it. And then you, it's a tear breakdown to Jordan Love and, and the like, right? So I think that tier is defined by the questions that face them. And I would be very intrigued to trade from anyone after Lamar Jackson up into the top two. Okay. Yeah, because my next question was, hey, you, you grab a mid-first draft position. Is your move going to be sticking, moving up, moving back? I mean, I would say our DNA is, well, of course you try to get Mahomes or Allen. Like That's job one, you know, whether whether you drew the position or wherever you land, you know, that's you're trying to get there. But I, I guess the bigger question, and you kind of answered it there, which is you're, it sounds like you're more likely to, if you can't trade up, you're probably going to trade back and play the board a little bit, right? Yeah, I would. I would be... Let them pick of yeah. the the big the big giant tavern of of options next. Yeah, if I if I if I was sitting at let's say I'm sitting at five and the right. and the top three guys are off the board, I right. would much rather let other people pay to make the difficult decision for me. Right. <laughs> and and move do they out. want Burrow? Do they want Stroud? Are they going to go? I mean, by that point, you may get a non quarterback as possible. Right. Uh, again, and I don't believe this. Like I saw, like I, I know historic historically you know this makes some sense but like i'm not buying this like 101 is going to last until like the mid second like that to me is hogwash i think there's gonna be someone in the top 10 or so that's gonna take 101 uh the, the 101 super flex rookie pick um because tis the season and all you're gonna hear about is caleb williams and i just mm-hmm. think i mean i have a hard time thinking somebody and we we see this in every draft someone's gonna have a team build where they're gonna be like ha 101 lock it up who's Mazzilli? you know and <laughs> so I, I i think you know and and I'm, I'm not gonna say that's a horrific call i wouldn't do it um but i just the main thing that i took away is seeing some of these drafts and seeing like mid-second and i'm like no that's not that's not even close like he i'll join three startup drafts and i'll guarantee he goes top 13 14 15 in every single one of them Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a trade today. There was a little bit more, but it didn't much matter what the more was. It was uh, McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor for the one-on-one rookie pick. And, oh my God. And I just, I kept coming back to it and I was like, I understand what you're, I understand what you're trying to do, but there's just so many better ways to go about doing it. You know, and for two, I just, run, for two running back, a 25 and a 28 year old running back in February. Correct. Correct. Yes. You, you know, the thing that I keep pointing out and it feels like it, like Chad impending doom uh, in terms of like, oh, you always, you know, I, I, this is like the, the running back, running back roundup mindset of just like, you know, we talk about injuries and scenarios so much in the regular season. But I find myself in January still saying these phrases, which is someone like Christian McCaffrey is still playing a game. Mm-hmm. Can we not forget this? Like, so this is like, I, I would say this in January, this is actually riskier than trading for him in December because December you're starting him. 
right. he's playing games and you don't get any credit for it. Right. Like this literally does not count on the, the stock line of your dynasty team at all. And again, I, I'm not rooting for it, but the point is you're playing a violent game at a position where you constantly take shots. Mm-hmm. And if McCaffrey, I mean, how, how debilitating would that injury, would that injury be to a team that made a deal? Just like you said, you, you trade for, you make basically a lineup decision. If you trade mm-hmm. for an older running back, you're making a lineup decision mm-hmm. and you do that in January. If they're, and he's 28 years old, what happens if he rips up multiple ligaments in his knee? What happens? I mean, it's just, it's horrific. So you cannot, and this is not to say right today you trade McCaffrey away, but you just outlined some scenarios where maybe you should be shopping Christian McCaffrey. Well, I mean, like if I was going to shop Christian McCaffrey degree, and yeah. Jonathan Taylor in a deal, I wouldn't do it for rookie pick 101, right? Like I well, would do I, it well, for a least, more, like well, a certain quarterback. Get, no, I know, but 101, 101 is a proxy to get you somewhere significant where, let's face it, you could probably add till you're blue in the face to those running backs. You're not getting the quarterback uh, quarterbacks you speak of or that you seek. You're not getting them. But so you know 101, that the 101 that, might though. You you know the person that's trading Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor for 101 is not trying to then trade that pick for an elite quarterback. You know that person, and that person <laughs> is not doing that. So while Come I on. agree with you in concept, yeah. trading Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey for Caleb Williams is not the route to go. Honestly, trade one of them for 102 if you're so inclined, right? Like, sure. you know, just do that instead. Yeah. Like, I just, that's, you know, or, or uh, yeah, you can add to them. Like, there's just so many other ways to do it. I just... That that certainty, and again, it's funny because like the same themes pop back up every you know every year, Chad. Where it's you know oh this generational prospect. I mean, the generational prospect that we were talking about a couple of years ago was Kyle Pitts, right? And you know how he can't miss and all these things. And now here we are a couple of years later, and you know it really doesn't feel that good. And you know the, the same thing with Caleb Williams, right? I just I I would be hesitant to sort of anoint and and put the crown and the cape on someone this early when. Yeah, maybe it does turn out that he's elite, but but maybe elite looks like Trevor Lawrence in the NFL as opposed to, you know, Josh Allen. Right. Those are different things. And I just I I just caution people on making those types of trades at this time of the year, because you're you're heading down a very dangerous road that if you can't, you know, if you miss, you're in a lot of trouble. It seems like I am a Caleb Williams hater on the grand scale, just because I've not anointed him, just because I don't think he's way up here and the other quarterbacks of note in the class are way down clearly and easily and graphically below him. It, it almost, it makes you feel positioned and postured as a hater, which mm-hmm. I'm not. And I would hearken back to this, the 2021 class, we had quarterbacks go one, two, three, look at where we sit rookie still in rookie contract mode for these quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two, and Trey Lance, number three. Where do we sit? We have one guy that a lot of people question Trevor Lawrence in many capacities, and we've got two guys that aren't even starting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's where we sit. That was the last one, two, three. Then we had one, two, four, Bryce Young. How'd that go? CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. One guy played three plus games. Another guy, you know, oh my gosh, what's happening? Sky is falling, Henny Penny. I can't believe you drafted him. And then CJ Stroud was the one that, you know, the the S2 test and boy, what is this going to do? What is Houston doing? And that ended up being the best answer of the three, at, you know, through small sample size. Yeah. So I, I just, so this whole idea, you know, that, I mean, Caleb Williams, we were waiting on him. He's Andrew Luck. Watch this, you know, 
I, I yeah. and, and to do that for dynasty makes even less sense. Agreed. Agreed. And and one of the things that like we see, especially in, and we've talked about this last year, we t- especially through the context of guys like um, where where it was close. And I'm not sure it's going to be close. I, I've already seen the hatchets are out for Drake May this week. Uh, and yeah. so we'll see kind of how this goes. I, I'm not sure how close it's going to be, but you saw last year where it was very close. Like Bryce Young was the favorite for a long, long time, and then it flipped, and then he ends up coming back to being the favorite and being 101. Like that indicated, I think, to me that those players were very close. And so we'll see how close it is. Again, it's a very, you know, like Caleb Williams is like minus 700 to go 101. Um, <laughs> we'll see if that holds the whole way. Um, it's more than Bryce Young was ever a favorite last year. Um, but I, I do think like where there's a tight two, where there's a tight three, it gives you options on on going and not paying the full boat premium price for for the for the quarterback. And that, you know, I would just be careful on those types of trades. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, uh, yeah. I, I, the other thing I, that, that kind of stuck stuck out to me was it seems like this is going to be a real thing. You know, you get rookie picks in the mix that someone like Jordan Love, someone like Dak Prescott, late second, early third. I mean, it feels for teams that, you know, you get that early first draft position. I mean, it feels even more luxurious. We've talked about, you know, the value of, hey, you can just sit at 102 and get Mahomes. I mean, so now you have double the chance to have an Allen Mahomes. You know, I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have to just be like, oh, well, we feel really good about one, you know, years ago. And, you know, Mahomes now, Mahomes forever. But now if you draw 101, 102, you don't have, you might not have to make any trades. You get that in round one and you could be easily looking at Dak or, or Jordan Love with that wraparound pick at the two, three turn. Yeah, that, that two, three turns interesting this year. Like, um, you know, I, you know, Purdy as well, kind of how he fits in this. I, it's just a, it's a really interesting uh, marketplace because I feel it feels to me as we sit here and I was mentioning those top guys, you know, and the the four through, you know, whatever, 10 range or whatever, um, out to like 14, 15, you know, there's a couple of guys out excluding that range, but just as a general matter, right. I think they're a little bit closer, uh, just by the way we look at the world than we would normally kind of think. Uh, and that's interesting if you don't want to go quarterback, quarterback early, right. If you're like, all right, I can, I can hang out and I can play, you know, into that third round, that fourth round and say, okay, I can take a quarterback in that range. Um, That's interesting. And that hasn't been a strategy that's been widely executable in recent years. That was a strategy that was more executable in like, you know, five years ago in Superflex where quarterbacks didn't go as high as that. Now it's, you know, it's, you know, that, that those top quarterbacks have really shrunk into the first couple of rounds. Um, uh, it's interesting to see that slide away a little bit. Uh, I think, especially if you introduce some premiums, like if it's a tight end premium league and, and especially with the quality of the wide receivers as well, like it, it's that market's changing in a way that that's interesting. And one thing is a, as a, as just a takeaway from all of this, if you're going into a startup draft kind of plan backwards. Right. And again, we, we think we always talk about the guys at the top, you know, people say, Oh, you don't spend enough time. You you just spend too much time talking about the elite guys. Well, that's what matters. Right. But as a, a so that's why we talk about them all the time. Um, but if you're in a draft, right, go the opposite way, right. Start at the back of the board and say, okay, you know, what are the options here that I like, you know, who can I Gino, tolerate Geno yeah. Smith, right. Uh, Matthew Stafford, right. You can kind of go, you start working backwards about those price points 
And then you start coming up and you say, okay, well, what's in the fifth, sixth round? And, you know, can keep kind of going up the board all the way up. And that'll give you some optionality. So that way, if the board doesn't break the way that you want it to, uh, or that you expect it to, you kind of understand how it's going to go from there. Um, I think this year it's really valuable to do that because there are some quarterback outliers that I love the prices on this year. And that hasn't been true, really. That hasn't really been true in recent years where I thought that there was like huge discounts on guys. Yeah. And and the rookies, you know, it being a good class, you know, that helps just push down guys just that little bit, you know, and and usually, you know, you get to the QB twenties at some point and it just kind of dries up, you know, almost every team has their requisite couple of guys uh, who's going to pay up for a QB three. And that's when you get some of that bucket just kind of sliding through. Um, And and especially, you know, you get the 30 plus year old quarterbacks, uh, they're not going to have, or even 40 year old, you know, you get them really sliding, you know, this time of year, because they're just Super, super unsexy in that regard. Um, I wanted to ask uh, a couple a couple of trades where we always talk about arbitraging wide receiver. And so I kind of wanted that to be a theme. I picked a couple for this week uh, here to finish out uh, the, the middle segment here that Jamar Chase, uh, you talked about, you know, they uh, few quarter, wide receivers warrant uh, really vice gripping and not moving around. So this is a tight end premium. But it involves a tight end that I, I'm interested to see if how much this moves the needle for you. So it's Jamar Chase for Jalen Waddle and Trey McBride. <laughs> That's a fascinating one because if you substituted yeah. McBride for other guys, I would smash it. Right. If that ilk, right. Yeah. If I, and I figured so. Yeah. If you here's the problem that I had with McBride, and I haven't I, I admittedly haven't studied this enough. Um McBride had by really any metric or measure, like the second or third worst rookie season for a round two tight end since like in the last like 15 years, it was a awful start on actually some decent sample as these things go more than 300 routes. Like that's not nothing. Like that's actually a a very high sample in terms of that, uh, that group of guys. Uh, And then he comes back around this year and (laughs) is, I, I still, to this day, like I, I've never been more wrong on, on, on a tight end in recent memory as him, because I said that the odds of him being an elite player are extremely low based on what he does his rookie season. And he comes out and is an elite player. Um, well, he literally was Mark Andrews out there. Like they were running on fumes at wide receiver. It's like absolutely. They had nothing absolutely. but McBride once, uh, once uh, Zach Ertz went down. Absolutely. Crazy. So one of the things that, one of the things that concerns me with that is you know, what happens if they kind of double or triple dip at the at the skill positions? Get, get viable, right? They right. actually get sneaky, sneaky average in the NFL. Yeah. Right. And they just kind of regress to the mean. And that doesn't even necessarily mean they got to go out and you know, trade for T. Higgins and draft yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. and, you know, and spend a, a round two pick on somebody like but you just kind of get back to like having a professional receiving core. Um, it's instead Kobe of like, Myers addition and the free agency group, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's some guys that, you know, that could kind of, that could kind of make those routes a little bit more competitive in terms of where the targets go. I just wonder if that happens, what happens to McBride? Cause he was peppered at such a rate. Um, it's very impressive that he was able to be peppered at such a rate. Like that's a huge accomplishment. I just wonder if it's a sustainable, right. He, to, the fact that he did it in that ecosphere tells me he's a really good player. I just wonder if we kind of change that ecosphere, you know, ecosystem a little bit, if it if it looks somewhat less dominant, just because that there's other places to go. That's my kind of concern with him, um, and we've seen bad from him 
and now we've seen like really good from him. So I don't like, I don't, it's a weird profile. And so in that, you know, there's some eight out stuff there that gives me just a little bit of concern. I like the targets per route run and all that stuff. Um, I would take Laporta over him. I would take Andrews over him. Right. And, um, yeah, if you put either of those two guys in that trade, um, and it might be doable, right? If you kind of look around, like you might actually be able to do that. Um, would you? Some, yeah, would yeah. you? Andrews feels like a smash, right? I mean, yes. that, but it. But what about Kincaid? Is he a, a smash, or you're like, eh, I still want to get a little bit better because I am dropping down from Chase. And this is frankly, I mean, if you're going to do this type of deal at, at your uh, wide receiver depth chart, you can only do it once. Like you can't just you need to make it worth your while and you kind of need to shift over to someone you're super comfortable with. And I just wonder if Kincaid's above that line for you. Um, You know, I, I, we haven't talked about Kincaid and I actually tweeted about this today. How do you rank uh, Dalton Kincaid among the average uh, rookie season for a first round tight end average above average or below average 66% of people said above average 31% said average 3% said below average. Um, it's exactly, exactly at the average in terms of like the points and in terms of um you know the the all the metrics and everything like that it's a it's an extremely average uh first round tight end season um you know that is usually a pretty high floor scenario i don't know if it's a huge ceiling scenario is kind of my question and as i kind of take a step back from that like you know we've talked about dalton kincaid is like he does some tight end porn-esque stuff in terms of like the routes he runs and the catches that he makes and some of that stuff I just wonder if he's going to be, if they're going to have uh, Dawson Knox there and what that receiving game looks like. I'm a little bit concerned about like, if, you know, about how that huge mega breakout happens for him. So that would give me the pause there on him. Again, I really like him, but I think he fits in a different tier than those top other guys. Okay. Now on the flip side, it could you love Kincaid really... though, right? Are you d- well, are you different well, than me, I, Kincaid? Well, I loved him as a player. Um, I think I am a little higher than you, and and I would say the potential for this to break right, like he's got, like we within the range of outcomes is he becomes Josh Allen's binky, and the wide receiver core is in flux. You know, not that Gabe Davis was a big influencer, but if you say Stefan Diggs is not gonna take two steps back to the you know, juggernaut elite player that he was. And these signs late in the year are indicative of something, the erosion or whether, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in 2025, he's not on the team. So, I mean, so there's a lot of transition stuff at wide receiver and who's to say they don't kind of go into a, uh, a Kansas city sort of fashion where, they're not spending elite pedigree. They lose their dominant, you know, Tyree Kill versus Stefan Diggs in terms of that impact, whether it's a trade or erosion or whatever. And just I can see a scenario where Dalton Kincaid earned a lot of trust, you know, some big trust throws. And I just think that he could become an Andrews or a Kelsey type of player in the orbit of what that looks like for Buffalo as, Hey, maybe we, we can't afford certain things. We can't afford luxury. We have to take some shots at wide receiver in the draft. Who's to say those go well. I've seen some, some picks that I would not particularly like if they spend a late first round pick on certain wide receivers in this class in, in mocks. So I think in the late first this year, there is risk. We know in day two, you're not guaranteed to get that right. I mean, Kansas City was fortunate in what they've gotten from Rasheed Rice, for example. That's not, look at Sky Moore. That is not a given. You can airball picks. So I just think that Kincaid is going to have a heck of a lot of connection and allegiance that he already got in year one. And 
the Bills have to get more stuff right or else I just think the orbit is going to continually gravitate towards Kincaid over the next year or two. So that would be the best case scenario, obviously, is that, hey, Diggs isn't the alpha, Kincaid becomes that, and the Bills are kind of looking to reformat a lot of stuff, and you know they figure Josh Allen can make things right in the passing game a la Mahomes, and they're not necessarily going to be able to spend as much elite capital. They just spent elite capital on tight end. So I could easily play that scenario out where you say there's a lot of connection and insulation here and Kincaid showed enough to actually warrant that um, and foster that type of faith and trust in the future years. So that would be the pitch that he actually is, you know, worthy of being up in the top, you know, two, three, four, you know, as we go through the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, the uh, other, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the other one um, I wanted to mention is AJ Brown being traded for Jordan Addison and a 25 first. So how cute is this, or is this an arbitrage at wide receiver? I, I don't like going from the extremely productive wide receiver to the rookie wide receiver who's kind of slotted into being his team's yeah. wide receiver two and a future pick. I generally don't like that. If you kind of shuffle the players around a little bit, I could find this. I could find this to be an arbitrage. I don't love the way that this is done. Okay. So it's because you're going young. It's because you're going young and towards a guy that isn't really positioned to be the number one wide receiver on his team at any point as we project. Like that's what the Addison, like you're kind of hoping Addison becomes a Devonta Smith type player, right? Like in the grand yeah, scheme of Batman and Robbins, you know, just of count. like, or I guess maybe Jalen Waddle might be a best case, right? Like you're, you're with a wide receiver that's really freaking good. And it's like, but I'm good too. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> you know that you're, and you're kind of hoping they can squeeze out volume wise, you know, maybe a wide receiver 10 to 15 season, right? You're kind of hoping if they consolidate 55, 60% of targets, right? Correct. Perfect storm. Correct. Correct. Would, would it, this change, yeah. would this change if it was Garrett Wilson? Like, do you see a better chance to become that gravitational pull guy? Uh, and you get the quarterback upgrade. Like, is it more natural that he could make this a two-way go type deal? If it was Garrett Wilson and a first yeah. for yeah. AJ Brown, yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah, I think he's he's established himself more. Um, yeah, I don't know if Rasheed Rice would be the the person that I would sort of throw in that lot. I, I view Drake London as a AJ Brown esque type wide receiver again. I don't know if we'll ever truly see that. Um, well, we said that with AJ Brown in Tennessee too. So. Correct. Correct. It took but, change. It took graphic change with a trade across the across conferences. So right as I kind of look at, the, I'm looking at fantasy calc right now, and uh, I think outside of Nico Collins, who's at wide receiver 15. Well, yeah, I was uh, going to say Nico Collins and Drake London were going to be the two I asked you about, other than yeah, Garrett Wilson. I, I would do it for both of them. Okay. I would do it for both of them. Um, but outside of outside of like 15, like Drake London's the name that like in bright lights, I could see where like, okay, that's a top five wide receiver at this point next year. Where, where's like, Drake London? He's at, he's at uh wide receiver 19. Okay. Yeah. So I just, because, I, I, yeah. Well, and just the, the cautionary last word on this is, I mean, you've got to, when you're trading off of A.J. Brown, who's been so elite efficiency-wise, he's put it together, uh, he's got a good enough quarterback, he's in a system that he dominates targets, and he even has a good wide receiver uh, running mate next to him. And I would say someone like Devonta Smith insulates him, because if he was the only show in town, 
And he, like the fact that he's doing this with Goddard, with Smith, uh, and with a quarterback that frankly, you know, they go in and out of featuring the passing game to some degree. So uh, all that just shows you how good he is and how much it was an even worse situation there with Tennessee to move off of that. And again, he's 27. I know he's a physical wide receiver and everything. So he might age a little quicker, but man, I mean, a guy that still has an easy two, three year projection ahead of him with his career arc so far, you've got to really go after someone and, and so we made a very short list of guys that are either, you know, you're getting the first, that's huge at the wide receiver if you do an arbitrage, but you have to do an arbitrage to where you can write yourself a story where the guy you're getting ends up being close enough to even where that first becomes gravy-ish this next year. Otherwise, you got to be super careful to make a trade like that. Do you have anything else to add in terms of you're trying to pull off an arbitrage like this? No, you have to be convinced that the person that you're arbitraging down to, if you're selling a right. really uh, a guy that you're convinced in up at the top, right? Like, I, I you have yeah. to be. Collins uh, is probably really of careful. the guys we mentioned. Collins is probably the highest percentage guy, right? Because we already saw him kind of yes. do that. He's attached to Stroud. Like you, you pretty much just need him to show up and post next year. And I think this is this is a, a it's a functional two way go. Garrett Wilson, there's a little bit of question mark because you do need Aaron Rodgers to probably be as good or a little bit better than he was in, in green Bay, his final season. Mm-hmm. And then with Drake London, it's, Hey, he, he need, he need, we, we think he personally is going to be able to do it, but is he going to be locked in a DJ more type scenario of like, we know he's good, but quarterback is really holding him back. And for how long? So that's an, that's the question mark with London. Can, can you believe that Garrett Wilson's actually more valuable in fantasy calc than AJ Brown is? I can because Garrett Wilson has been one of those, well, we know he's going to do it. It's just a matter of when he's been, you know, screwed by situation. Look at all these targets. I will say if, if you watch the Jets game and again, it's painful. The moment Aaron Rodgers went out, I know a lot of people just flip through another channel and play like the Jets are never on red zone. I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but I will say when you watch it, Garrett Wilson feels like he's alone out there. Like it's mm. so obvious. Like he, he and Brees Hall, are clearly, and this is obvious report, but they're so far ahead of everything else going on in that offense that can they just get functional or quasi-decent at quarterback? And I do think it will make Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, it'll just be such easy production for them. Easier and just, they will cruise to career best finishes. But I still think a wide receiver, it's hard. Like Garrett Wilson and just saying, oh, he'll be five top five next year. It's it's hard to do if you start counting names. I mean, you're saying you've got to pass Amon Ross St. Brown or pass, you know, Jefferson, Chase, Lamb, uh, Tyreek Hill. We're already up to five or six. Mm-hmm. Who are you passing? You know what I mean? And that's not counting Olave and Pukunakua and AJ Brown and I mean Nico Collins. Like it there's some heavy lifting to get into the top eight to ten. So I just he can still improve and be better and quarterbacks improve, but it still means like he might still be wide receiver 11 next year or something. And based on what you're paying, I think your, your expectations are higher than that. If you're paying full freight. Yes, I agree with you. That said, one of these two, one of these two podcasters on these airwaves created a couple late first for Garrett Wilson this off season. So it was a, uh, again, it was a one quarterback, and I know I'm not going to get that. And I know Garrett Wilson can take me places that those, you know, 108 and 111 cannot. In a, I in love a, that in stock format. format. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. The format is the absolute critical, 
critical uh, element there. Because I just figure, you know, Garrett Wilson, if I want to get to somebody else or, you know, go true stud shopping, I mean, Garrett Wilson can get me there. But when you get there, I have a hard time imagining how great 108 can carry you. I mean, your best chance is to trade for a future first. And in a start one, that's no guarantee. So, right. Because 111, I mean, guess what were we talking about last year at 111? Like Zach Charbonnet? Like, you're right. You know, completely blocked. It's like, well, I'm getting day two, but you're getting a guy blocked by another day two guy at a yeah. contract. Not the best. And it's like, I could see myself at 108 or 111 or both getting kind of trapped into scenarios like that. So, yeah. Yeah, with you. Because you, you can't, in a super flex, you, you, can, you might be able to get your way to a good running back landing spot. In one quarterback, that dries up. There's no way that guy is lasting. To, to those late first spots. They will get pushed up and you might get a look at the last round one wide receiver with one of those picks, but you take Garrett Wilson there. So I just, yeah, over the the, the spec shot there. All right. Uh, so Jordan, we have yet to record our, our premium stuff. What do you think we're going to be offering folks uh, this week uh, for the premium stuff? What do we have planned for patreon.com slash dynasty think tank? High level dynasty advice. That's what we're going to be. Boom. That's what we're going to have. Boom roasted. Boom noted. Got it. There you go. Uh, and I would say, again, the archives, we've done so much stuff in January, whether it's long form discussions, we talked for more than an hour, old school style last week about a variety of topics. Also, we've banked a bunch of uh, dynasty courtroom shows where we talk about the pros and cons on why or why not uh, are these good environments for dynasty production and where is the arrow pointing for some of these teams that missed the playoffs here in 2023. So thank you so much for supporting it. Again, no ads other than telling you about the premium content you possibly could have had, just dynasty discussion here every single week on Dynasty Think Tank. And as we get to the full off season after this weekend's game, then again, you're going to be turning to dynasty team building in full. I love how in January we become NFL fans again. Uh, sometimes tortured ones, sometimes uh, ones that are just here for the love of the game. Uh, but the season ends for all of us NFL-wise coming up, and that means it's dynasty team building season. So be on board for Team Dynasty Think Tank and sign up over there at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. Thanks so much for listening this week. You can rate or review us as always. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL at McNamara Dynasty. We have our own Dynasty content streams. You can find those at analyticsofdynasty.com and at utshdynasty.com. Unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. Thank <laughs> you.